You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as she is every single week here in the 602 Club, Christy Morris. Christy, uh, did you get the soup or the special? I got the special, and you know what? It wasn't so special. Mm, mm, yeah, I thought you had enough stomach problems. I'm really surprised you went with the special. Yeah, well, it sounded good, and then, you know, I got a surprise. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what, what happened to you? Uh, well, luckily I got the soup, so no surprise in the Cracker Jack box for me, uh, which is really <laughs> nice. But um, we're we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight. We're gonna talk about an old school film here, a classic at this point, cult classic, Spaceballs. And before we do that, just want to say a huge thank you to everyone for listening. And of course, you know, uh, if you are listening, make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts, help us out. If you've never reviewed the show, the reviews really do help people, new people find the show when they're searching for podcasts. So we would really appreciate it if you would do that. Uh, And then, of course, like I said, subscribe so you get all the episodes as soon as they drop. You can find us on Twitter at the 602 club or on instagram at the 602 club tfm please follow us in both places you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash trek fm and then we've got the listeners only discussion group the babel conference talk to listeners from all over the world also uh you could find track.fm where we've got all the podcasts we have here on the network and then of course the contact section there you can send christy and i an email and a huge thank you we have some associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millett, and Daniel Noah. Really appreciate these guys supporting the show uh, each and every week. And again, you, you know, you hear it every week, but it's so true. Uh, if you like the network and you want it to continue to grow, we really do need your help. So go to patreon.com slash trekfm, see how you can be part of our team. In the end, every little bit helps. So again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. So Chrissy, this is a movie that I know many people, sometimes it can be hard to even remember when your first experience was with the film. And so I'm wondering for you, do you remember the first time that you saw Spaceballs? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because it was this year. Really? No way. <laughs> Which is weird because I've been a lifelong fan of Mel Brooks. Uh, I've seen Young Frankenstein and Robin Hood Men in Tights and things like that since I was young. Don't know how I never got around to Spaceballs, but I just saw that for the first time this year with my friend Erica. And then now this was my second viewing. So That's hilarious, man. i <laughs> so surprised. Obviously, uh, it would have been something I figured you would have seen a long time ago, just because, you know, it's it's one of those things that's kind of iconic. And I would say probably the ultimate film when it comes to just a spoof of sci-fi and the things that, you know, both you and I really love. So that's so funny. Yeah. I, I have the complete opposite 
uh, of you story in the sense that I do have a hard time remembering the first time I saw this. I would probably was like 13, you know, when I saw this mm-hmm. first time. I was obviously at that point very into Star Wars and Star Trek and all of the sci-fi things really they're making fun of, you know, like I, I think by that point I'd probably even seen the original Planet of the Apes, you know, so I got all the jokes. To me, this movie was so funny and um, it's kind of been one of those things where I was watching some of the extras uh, that came on the new 4K disc that they had. And mm-hmm. they were talking about, uh, and it was an older documentary that you could tell had come uh, from years back now, but they were talking about how the movie had kind of found even a second life, you know, with home video, of course, and then uh, like kids on college campuses finding it. And yeah, I mean, this was definitely a movie that I, my friends and I in college would pop in and just laugh at because, you know, I mean, you're in college and it's funny. So, you know, it's, it, this is, this is one of those type of films. So, uh, it, it, it's very much akin to all of these type of films helped to format some of my humor when it came to like this or Tommy boy or dumb and dumber, or, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those type of films, um, really kind of made for me, uh, what I thought was, was funny. And so, yeah, that's really interesting. So you just saw it this year with a friend of yours. Did they like show it to you or the, or they tell you, Oh, Chris, you've got to see space balls. They showed it to me. Uh, so we had been talking about just star, star Wars related stuff. And she was like, Oh yeah. Like such and such scene from space balls. And I was like, I've actually never seen space balls. And she's just took a breath and said, okay, you're coming over on Saturday and we're going to sit down in front of my TV and watch Spaceballs. Nice. That's awesome. She's like, you have to, as a Star Wars fan, especially you have to see this. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. That's great. Um, you know what? I, I was, I never really thought of this in my head, which is kind of crazy that I, I wouldn't have kind of put this together. Um, but you know, uh, when it came to the production, um, I didn't realize that he had, Mel Brooks had reached out to George Lucas and he had sent George Lucas the script actually to make sure there wasn't anything in there that kind of offended him. He didn't really, he didn't want to get in trouble, you know, obviously with, with Lucas. And I thought it was really funny because Lucas was all for this, you know, he's like, Lucas told him, I love your films. He's like, I've seen Blazing Saddles. I've seen, you know, Young Frankenstein. I love your movies. I trust your judgment. Uh, The only thing he asked for him not to do was to make action figures because they would look just like the action figures from Star Wars. And so Mel Brooks said, okay. Uh, And then even for the production, uh, the post-production, ILM did the effects. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I just thought that that was really funny that, and, and I think... This is one of the things that I feel like I like about this movie and why I find it so rewatchable is that the way we're, we're we're poking fun in a lot of different things, but it's always with a good heart, right? Like mm-hmm. Mel Brooks himself is Jewish. He makes a ton of Jewish jokes in this, this film, right? But he's poking fun mm-hmm. at himself and or his people at Lucas allowing this to be made to poke fun at... Star Wars, I think it just shows what a healthy sense of humor looks like. Right. And that he's not, um, like you said, he's poking fun at Star Wars rather than making Star Wars the butt of the joke. 
Right. Because I think there's a big difference mm-hmm. in like someone who hates Star Wars making a spoof to talk about how much they hate it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like he reached out to George to make sure it was okay yep. and actually said he wanted it to be as close to the original as possible. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think it was Bill Pullman who said in one of the interviews, he said, you know, Mel Brooks told him you can't spoof what you don't love. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I so yeah, and I think that shows here, you know, and I think that probably shows in all of his movies. I mean, the fact that, you know, he's uh, spoofing silent movies and westerns and monster movies and Alfred Hitchcock movies and, you know, horror movies like he is, you know, spoofing Robin Hood, you know, <laughs> obviously with mm-hmm. men in tights. And so like he's he's somebody who takes what he loves and then pokes fun at it. And I think, again, I you know, where we live today, I just almost feel as though that's something that we could learn from Mel Brooks, you know, how to have good, oh, yeah. clean fun. And, uh, well, I won't say all the well. jokes here are clean, <laughs> uh, but good fun at, at poking at what we love because we love it. Not because we hate it, right? And I think there's something right. so different. Like you, you rightly pointed out, there's something so different than something that's really mean spirited that you're making fun of, and something that you love and you make fun of it. I just and Mel Brooks does a great job of that. I think, and, and Spaceballs is a fantastic example of loving sci-fi, but also being able to be like, we can we can show this in a silly light, and it's funny. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, if if we as Star Wars fans even think about some of the stuff that exists in Star Wars canon, sometimes you just have to laugh at like, you know, Meeper Gaskin. Yeah, it's very, I mean, (laughs) absolutely. I mean, there's so much in Star Wars that can be made fun of. And, And part of that, you know, I think in the production of this, you know, Mel Brooks talked about when they were writing the script, he's like, you know, in many ways we took the things that really work and this is really just a fairy tale uh, that he set up, you know, like where you have the prince who doesn't know he's a prince. You've got the princess who's in distress, you know, who needs to be kind of rescued. And you've got all of these things that you kind of put together that are very classic, which is exactly what George was doing when he was making star Wars, which is pulling on all of the thematic elements that he loved and knew from mythology, putting them together. And, and so, Brooks does the same thing to be able to create his comedy. And I think, you know, that's the other thing that really makes this work is that he understands very well what he's spoofing. That's something that's really important that you actually understand what it is that you're making fun of. Mm hmm. And and like you were mentioning before, actually understand film mm-hmm. as well. Yes. He's got all of these references that he's pulling from that really shows that he has yes. such a wide variety of things he loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because there's that scene where they're doing the whole thing about the videotape, you know, and he's like, what's happening mm-hmm. now? What's happening now is happening now. What about earlier that's already happened you know he's like that whole Mm -hmm. thing is actually a reference to abbott costello's who's on first what's on second (laughs) like but you know unless you know that you you know you you might not pick up on that but for those in the know it makes it a little bit funnier you know i think and that's Mm -hmm. really neat that he's in many ways too 
uh, we see Mel Brooks doing the same thing here with the story and, and the way he set up this movie, which is the same thing that Lucas was doing with his stories. Um, Brooks is pulling from all of these famous comedies, you know, and comedy routines to help poke fun at the things that he loves. The same way that Lucas was pulling from all the stories and the kind of the serials and the, the type of stories that he really loved to create the story that he wanted to tell. And so I think that's really mm-hmm. neat. They're both kind of in many ways doing the same thing. Right. It, exactly. And I think that's what makes this movie still so interesting and not just all completely a spoof because it still has a good plot beneath all of the jokes. So, you know, it it can stand on its own as a good movie, even if you didn't have all of the Mel Brooks style jokes. And, you know, that's something, too, that I wanted to add that I think makes this sometimes um, a love it or hate it thing for people is that I think Mel Brooks has such a specific style in all of his movies. You know, once you've seen a couple of them, you're like, oh, okay, I get the Mel Mel Brooks style now. Some people just don't like him. And then some people, you know, like you and I just fall in love with his stuff. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, too, because it kind of reminds me of, you know, obviously John and I have gone through with Snyder cuts talking about Zack Snyder's work. And Snyder is very much the same way. Like you either like Zack Snyder and his style or you don't, you know, there's mm-hmm. not a ton of in between people in that. I think you're right, you know, and, and part of that, too, I think, is humor in general. There are types of humor that some people like, and then there are types of humor that some people don't. And right. so... I think, you know, yes, Mel Brooks definitely has a specific sense of humor, and that might not appeal to everybody, but it definitely appeals to me. And it's also interesting, too, because to me, this movie also actually had a a thematic element that kind of plays out slightly in the prequels in the sense that, you know, Spaceball City is this kind of massive technological planet city, right? Where mm-hmm. they've used all of their resources. And so then you have Druidia, which is kind of much more like Naboo. It's one with nature that surrounds it. You know, you, it's a much more peaceful type place. So you have this juxtaposition of these two things. And, you know, Lucas plays with that idea in the in the prequels a lot. Obviously, with like Coruscant and then other planets like Naboo. And so I just thought it was funny that this movie actually has a little bit to say about, uh, you know, something that is important in a really funny way. The fact that they're, you know, losing their air, <laughs> they're popping cans mm-hmm. of Perrier air, uh, you know, which, uh, I, you know, doesn't really work, but it's very funny. Um, or, you know, you, you have this other planet where they've stewarded well their planet. It's a beautiful place to live and everything. And it looks much more inviting than Spaceball City in the end. And so um, I just thought, you know, that's that's really funny. I have no idea if Mel Brooks was really trying to say anything with this movie. But I did find mm-hmm. it interesting that he there did seem to be a little bit of a theme there. I would bet just based off of his usual style that there's a lot of things that seem like they might not be intentional, but they actually are because I don't know if you noticed later in the movie after the merchandising joke that at the diner, there's a placemat that says Spaceballs placemat. 
but you wouldn't know. Yeah, you know, you're right. And then in the bathroom, when uh, President Scrooge is going to the bathroom, there's Spaceballs the toilet paper. Yep. You know, so, yeah. No, you're you're right. Um, he's definitely kind of poking fun of, about that idea, especially with Star Wars. And so, um, I was really surprised to learn, because, you know, obviously Bill Pullman is playing Lone Star here. And I was really surprised to hear that Brooks really wanted to get somebody like Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks for the for the role. And I I I was going to ask you, do you think that this would have worked at all with Tom Cruise? No. <laughs> that's the funny thing. I think that you need someone like Bill Pullman that's a little bit more, you know, I hate to say it, but on the nerdy end, um then, you know, like Tom Cruise was really getting to the height of his career at this point. Um, you know, doing Top Gun and stuff, and I think that he was too much of a like a household name and a pretty face kind of look. And I think that it's not that Bill Pullman's not attractive. It's just that he's got a different vibe and mannerisms about him that make him more endearing in this role, I think, and remind me more of Han Solo than Tom Cruise would. Tom Cruise can be very funny, Uh, especially, I don't know if you've ever seen Tropic Thunder, but yes. Tom Cruise is hysterical in that role. And part of that is he's kind of making fun of himself in some ways in that. So he can be very funny. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that makes Bill Pullman work over Tom Cruise and even Tom Hanks, who, you know, is a very funny. And Bill Pullman kind of has the classic hero vibe, right? And the nerdiness all at the same time, right? Because mm-hmm. he's kind of suave. He can be, you know, debonair and all those things. Here he's playing the kind of roguish cowboy Han Solo type. And he does that really well. And at the same time, he has this nerd twinkle in his eye. Uh, you know, like, right? It, there's just something about him. And I, I think he was the perfect choice for this role. I don't think it would have worked well uh, with either of those two, and I think he brings something to it where he's next to John Candy, who's one of the funniest guys on the planet, you know, and mm-hmm. he holds his own comedic wise. Yeah. And part of that is that he plays slightly more of the straight man, of course, to John Candy's barf. And I think, you know, again, Bill Pullman was just like the right person to cast. Like, I can't, I really can't imagine this movie with anybody else. I, I just, I'm, I get, you know, wanting to have a big name like Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks in the film, but I think it, the movie is, <laughs> I don't know how many people have ever said this in their lives, but I think the movie is all the better for having Bill Pullman in the lead role. You don't think people have said that a lot? I yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how many people have said that in their lives, but I mean, I do think in this role specifically, you know, I it, mm-hmm. this is this is a role that works better with him in it. And see, I I think that he holds his own in other things that I've seen him in, and it's funny because as a kid, I actually knew him as the dad from Casper. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, well, and I know him from like Independence but, Day and While You Were mm-hmm. Sleeping, which he's fantastic in as well. And I think yep. it's actually 
that while you were sleeping vibe that he plays here. He kind of plays that casual, yeah. you know, everyday guy who's for the most part pretty confident with himself, you know. Uh, and so he, yeah, I, I think he he really is. He's he's the perfect choice, and he is very funny. He has tons of great lines yeah. in this film. Well, and you made a good point that you do need someone that can stand on their own next to John Candy. Because John Candy had such a big personality mm-hmm. that it's like, you know, you otherwise you would get lost. So I think that they really work well playing off of each other. And like you said, it's nice having that the straight man versus the constant jokes from right. John Candy. Yeah. John Candy is <laughs> his barf is just hilarious. Like The idea of being a mog, half man, half dog, his own best friend. <laughs> mm hmm. Well, and I mean, he's just, you know, there's these actors like that, that even though they're gone now are like a national treasure. Like, that's what I think of as the definition of like an amazing actor that I can't believe is gone. John Candy was in like all my favorite movies growing up. So he is incredible again. And then, too, it's just funny seeing him dressed as a dog. Yeah, and, and in fact, did you know, too, he he wanted to have an appliance on his face so he looked more like a dog, and Mel mm-hmm. Brooks was like, no, we hired for John Candy. We, we need, you know, we need his face, and that's why he has the, the patch over his eye uh, to give him uh, just something to, to help with, with the mm-hmm. dog effect, but I just thought that was funny. He really wanted to go for it with, you know, the full-on makeup job, and like no no we 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 really we just need your face so no yeah, he we hired you for you yes <laughs> yes well and it was interesting there's that one moment uh Mel Brooks pointed this out he and he was talking about just John Candy and his ability to to ad lib so perfectly where you know they're just getting out of the the Winnebago and he goes to sit up and his seatbelt is going is still on and he ad libbed oh that's gonna leave a mark. Uh, and of course, it, it made the movie, but it just kind of shows you mm-hmm. like those little lines that you wouldn't even really think of. He's just throwing in there and it's it's funny stuff, you know. So uh, I like you said, you know, he's on a lot of the movies I grew up with and uh, he just there's just something about him. He has just such a great presence in every movie. Mm-hmm. And he he has, I think. The twinkle of authenticity. You know, like. And even in a role as ridiculous as this, you know, he's playing the best friend of Lone Star and everything he does in playing this role is very sincere. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's something really special to be able to have at a comedic actor to have sincerity there at the same time as you're being really funny. Uh, and I think that's, again, kind of what makes the movie work beyond just being funny as you do buy characters like him in their storyline. I just I think that's really great. The only thing that I will say that still kind of makes me uncomfortable, even on my second viewing, is when they're in the diner and his tail goes up the waitress's skirt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just a little awkward. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. It's pretty awkward. It's pretty awkward. Uh, yeah. So there's definitely um, some things in here you, you might not have put in a movie, uh, you know, today. But I, I do right. think. But the worst one, hands down, was the surgeon and the nurse. 
<laughs> I, I mean, yeah. This, yeah, this it's is... funny, but yeah, if it was made today, oh no, mm-hmm. oh no, yeah, <laughs> probably not, probably not. Or, well, even the president with the the twins in his bed too. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and that went on for a long yeah. time. Yeah, I love when I love earlier when they're in the office, um, like in the conference room area with all of them, and he he says something to both of them. And he's like, "Chew your gum," <laughs> like they're the double mint twins. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's that's funny. So Charlene and Marlene. Yes. Oh man. Um it's interesting because uh I knew Daphne Zaniga uh from I I remember seeing her in the John Cusack film from Rob Reiner called The Sure Thing. And um so here her playing this kind of like spoiled princess. Um I you know, I think she's hilarious in this movie. And part of that is cuz she's playing the straight man completely. Like She's playing mm-hmm. it like she believes everything she's saying and it's not a joke to her, um, which is what makes, you know, when she's like, it's my industrial sized hairdryer and I can't live without it. So funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she uh, it's funny too. you know, obviously he was trying to get people that look as much like the original Star Wars actors as possible. And she does definitely favor Carrie Fisher here. Um, but yeah, it is funny that she, or it's funnier that she plays it so seriously when the, some of the things she says are just absolutely ridiculous, like the thing about the hairdryer Mm -hmm. or, um, but, but then too, she's really great at then playing off of Bill Pullman in the scenes that are supposed to be sincere romantic moments, Mm -hmm. which adds so much more to it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I I think the the moment you know when they're around the fire and they're having the conversation about how she's she's like, oh, I should go back and marry him. I should do the you know it's the right thing, and you know you don't really need love, you know you don't really. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they start to get closer and closer, and and there is a again there is a sweetness and a sincerity I think to that as well that does make it work. And part of that is her performance. I think the other part of her performance I love is when she goes all Rambo on the guards and like she just (laughs) it's almost like something snaps and it was the way she plays it is so funny because her hair got singed and I just thought that was really really funny so well if you want to upset a woman singe her hair Uh, apparently um uh, I'll (laughs) let you say that so um you know I'm I'm gonna let let you be the one that said that and i'll just agree with you yes okay so but yeah it it was a a funny scene and then once again also similarities to princess leia that you know she took up a blaster in star wars and held her own so yeah no i agree with you uh i think um i think she's really funny in this movie and again i think uh they did um kind of get somebody who was not somebody would have necessarily thought of like maybe slightly against type in the sense that she really hadn't done this kind of role and she turns Mm -hmm. out to be very, very funny. Uh, And so I I think they did a great job. And, and what's fascinating too, is that, you know, for dot matrix, uh, you know, they weren't planning on having Joan rivers do the voice because they were going to have Lorraine Yernell who did the, the physical uh, uh, on-screen performance play her and then the voice just wasn't right 
And so Mel Brooks called her up and asked her to do it. And she's like, I had no idea, you know, and, you know, I can't imagine not, I honestly just can't imagine not having her there. I mean, she makes the role. Well, and if you know much about Joan Rivers, aside from the plastic surgery bit, she was a comedian. So before she ever got into doing the, you know, talk shows and fashion police and stuff later in her career and all of that, she was a comedian. And so she she has a really unique voice and she is really funny. And so I'm Mm -hmm. glad that they chose her for this because, yeah, I'm the same as you. I can't imagine it being a different voice. And I think that that uniqueness really adds so much more to that character because that's kind of what was done with 3PO, mm-hmm. you know, you can't imagine 3PO without the voice of um, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think you're, you're right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, she does a great job. And of course the other person here, Rick Moranis as dark helmet. One of the things I thought was so interesting about, him is Mel Brooks talking about how he was so good with improvisation and coming up with great ideas and that Mel loved most of them. He's like, it was so infuriating sometimes because, you know, he'd come up with something and it would be perfect. It would be great, you know, and we'd end up using it. And so I think that's something that is really fun. Um, And he's just ridiculous in this role, but it, it, he's so funny. He's so funny. Mm-hmm. And all of his lines, you know, about like, knock, knock next time you come in, you know, like, did you see anything? No, I didn't see you playing with your dolls. You know, like, it's it's right. amazing. So, And he's so good, too, at the physical comedy. The Half of it's the expressions on his face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, another one that I grew up watching tons of things with him in it, um, you know, Ghostbusters, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, all of that. I love him. Um but he's great in this role, too, because he's such a stark contrast to Vader, whose, you know, body double was so tall and Rick Moranis is so short. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, all of the jokes about uh, Dark Helmet um, versus, you know, Darth Vader and uh, him constantly running into things. Um, and then I like that they make fun of the rank he has so you know like they uh instead of getting the choke hold they use the uh the ball shrinker or something oh yes you know and then every time he addresses the crowd they say yes sir and cross their legs yeah um and then uh, i think my favorite joke that he makes in the whole movie is uh well you know i have to have coffee when i watch the radar yes (laughs) like yeah I mean, his whole whole art, you know, who would dare give me the raspberry Lone Star, you know, and just like right. all of that <laughs> hysterical. So, no, he's he's fantastic. Um, you know, I think uh, obviously Mel Brooks, you're playing yogurt and President Scrooge, and I think he does such a great job um, with both of those. Very funny. Uh, and, you know, the... the I think he's perfect for, you know, the the incompetent leader of, of Planet Spaceball. Uh, you know, him playing the the goofy parody of Yoda is is fantastic. Uh and so mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean he is he's funny. And I think one of the things that I, I kind of like about him, you know, too in the movie is like 
he's not the main focus of the movie. You know, even though he has both of these roles, like he lets, I think he really does a great job of letting everybody else shine. So, yeah, well, and that's something you will probably notice he does in all of his movies. He usually makes a cameo, but he doesn't steal the show. And he's really good about that and letting everyone else really mm-hmm. run things and do what they're there to do. Um, I think that he always really respects every actor's contribution. Um, and then it brings in this funny side character aspect to it. Like, actually, I don't know if you knew um, Scrooge is an anagram of his name. Yes, yes. Yeah, he was saying um, how it's it's almost Brooks backwards, almost. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is really funny, uh, and so I, yeah, he does a he does a great job, and I love to you bring in somebody like Michael Winslow, and and then you have John Hurt there, uh, reprising his role from Aliens, you know, just to to do the one joke, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's that's just funny, um, you know, to 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 think about those and like kind of throw them in, uh, especially as um, just side jokes, basically. Um, we're great, mm-hmm. you know, and, and why not utilize talent like that? So, well, and, um, George Weiner, which is so funny, uh, apparently was originally planned to be, um, Steve Martin to play that role as oh, wow. uh, Colonel Sanders. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So I don't remember how they said George ended up with the role, but I'm kind of glad he did because Steve Martin, as much as I love him, could also maybe kind of steal the show. And I think that this person needed to play well alongside Rick Moranis and really let him lead things. So I'm kind of glad it wasn't Steve Martin in this case. Yeah, that's a good thought. I mean, I, I, hmm. I, I'm, I'm trying to think if, if, you know, with Steve Martin, how I would feel about him being there. And I do think that you would almost overshadow Rick Moranis in some ways. And that, that's definitely not mm-hmm. what you want. You, you, yeah. in many ways, like, George Weiner was talking about his whole, the whole point of of um, him was to be the setup man. You know, he's setting yeah. up all the jokes, and I think you know with Steve Martin, you expect him to be the one landing the jokes, and so mm-hmm. I'm glad that they didn't go that way. And they do; these two work so well together. Like you were saying, you know, the the joke about who's on first thing with now and then, um, and then I love uh, what are you afraid, chicken? Yeah. Colonel, what's wrong, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Yeah. There, I mean, there's just so much ridiculously good stuff in here. And, you know, I I had a, a question then on that for you, which is with the jokes, you know. Um, I, there's so much in here. Um, but I, one of the things about comedy is is the question of, you know, why why does it work? And why? why so I wanted to ask you, here, I'm still laughing at these jokes years later, right? I mean, I've seen this movie countless times now, and I'm still laughing at the jokes. And so uh, why do you think that the jokes still hold up in this? Well, I will say part of it is just if you like Mel Brooks style, then you're going to like this and you're going to continue to like it. Um, but also it's kind of funny to say, but it, he's kind of the original guy with the dad jokes, um, I feel like a lot of these are like what we would call the the dad jokes that you would say technically is kind of a cheesy joke. Like we just said that, you know, Colonel Sanders, what's wrong, chicken. Um, but you still can't help but giggle a little bit because they're so cheesy. 
um, or, you know, combing the desert and they take it literal. Um, and, and then I love just the random guy. We ain't found. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's still and then, one know, of the, I mean, who doesn't continually use that line in actual real life, you know? So, right. All the time. Yeah. Um, and then he's really good at, he, he'll make dirty jokes, but they're not always blatant. Or if he does, they're just kind of, you know, uh, um, innuendo rather than outright, like a mm, disgusting joke. Right. So, you know, like, I mean, you pan by the um, arm of the ship that's holding the handle of the vacuum. Yeah. Well, it, what's really fascinating is that Mel Brooks was talking about in the, uh, the interviews um, that actually Rick Moranis threw a ton of the innuendo, especially into like the 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 ring battle fight. Um, oh, yeah. The dirty jokes that Mel Brooks himself was kind of afraid to write. And uh, <laughs> he put them in there. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Like, uh, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Exactly. It's uh, exactly. So <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting that it was it was really Moranis who kind of uh, up the ante when it came to some of those jokes there. Um, so and, and you know, it's it's funny, right? Like mm-hmm. it, the part of all this is is learning to just like laugh at ourselves and the things that we can sometimes take overly seriously sometimes. And and laughter really is good for us, you know, and to laugh at all those things mm-hmm. and, and to be able to poke fun at. Not only the things we love, but again, I think in many ways, those type of things were poking just fun at ourselves. The things that sometimes we mm-hmm. get all uptight about. And it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good and healthy for us to learn to kind of like let go sometimes. And this movie, I think, is, I think the reason that the jokes work is because of the fact that it's based in something that people love and we're mm-hmm. poking fun at it be- as we talked about earlier we we're poking fun at it because we love it and therefore right. that's what makes the jokes last um and i did want to ask you you know cuz obviously this is a movie to which a lot of the humor or what the humor is pulling from a lot of people might not know these days but this is a movie that i think does continue to be popular. And so I I wanted to ask you, why do you think that this movie endures as well? Like not just the jokes, but why do you think people continue to go back to this movie? I think for one that it makes the jokes in a way that then might make you look up what they're referring to. So, you know, like you see the monkeys on the beach and you may not know that that's mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes. And so you look it up and then you're like, oh, what's Planet of the Apes? And then go and find out more about that. Or, you know, um, oh, what's Blazing Saddles when right. they show uh, all of his movies on home video in that one scene. Um, so I like that he does that. You know, he he makes enough of a joke to where you may not completely get it on first watch but you might then go find the answer yourself yeah i think that's a good point i I really do um and so uh, i i think you're you're absolutely right that in in many ways i you know it's it's interesting how this kind of does parallel star wars in that Mm -hmm. sense 
you Star Wars has sent so many people on quests to find like Kurosawa films and things like that that George Lucas was pulling from. Go back and watch, you know, old uh, 1940s serials like the Flash Gordon stuff or, you know, things like that. I, I think that it, or, you know, to read Joseph Campbell, you know, and, and so, yeah, to mm-hmm. be able to watch this film and then be able to go uh, and be like, man, I, I didn't love to see some of the humor that inspires this like an Abbott and Costello or things like that. That is great. And so I, I absolutely agree with you. I do think that's one of the reasons that this movie continues to kind of, you know, stand the, the test of time in that. And so, um, well, you know, I, I love, you know, the fact that, you know, we get to kind of dive into, you know, movies like this that are just, you know, it's good to have films that are just funny and stuff. So I am kind of interested. What what do you rate Spaceballs? So I really I know sometimes maybe I rate things a little high, but I still think that this has so many other things to offer that we just talked about and that people probably don't give it enough credit sometimes because it has all of this other depth to it. Um, so I think that it, for me, it's a four out of five um, Schwartz rings because it's just got a lot of things all together that end up working that you might underestimate at first, but then you watch it and you actually go, wow, this holds up. And it's funny, but it's also got some heart to it. And then got some big actors like John Candy and then, um, you know, Mel Brooks working on it and appearing in it. And it it really, to me, ends up being something I'm going to watch many more times. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I'm right there with you in the rating. Like, it's four out of five for me. And, and part of that is it's just... It's so funny and it continues to be funny. And and the most important mm-hmm. thing for me with a film like this and, and a comedy film is that I would want to continue to watch it over and over again. And this is definitely mm-hmm. one that I continue to want to go back to because it's hilarious and it's goofy and silly and, you know, I love it. So I'm definitely glad to have returned to Spaceballs. And so... We have, though, reached the part of the show, Christy, where it's time for our recommendations. So I can't wait to see what you're going to be recommending to everybody this week. So I'm going to be a little silly since we reviewed a silly movie. And um, I'm going to recommend going and watching Young Frankenstein if you haven't. Um, Because that's, that's, I believe, no, it's not the first one I saw. The first Mel Brooks film I ever saw was Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is also excellent. But... Um, Young Frankenstein, I think it's fascinating that they decide to do in black and white. Um, and they bring in a lot of other big name actors in that one as well. Um, most importantly, Gene Wilder as Dr. Frankenstein, or sorry, Frankenstein. Um, and there's just a lot of really good jokes in that style again, um, that I still make all the time in my life. Like I, I can't count how many times i've said um would you like to go for a roll in the hay <laughs> so yeah it oh, it's such a good movie and that's something my dad and i watch and joke about and uh, i think that if anyone hasn't seen it you definitely need to yeah that's great so um well i am gonna recommend something that i just got a chance to go see uh, in the theater and it's called wrath of man and it is with mm. jason statham 
and it's directed by Guy Ritchie. And this is basically, if, if anybody knows, uh, Guy Ritchie kind of doing uh, his Michael Mann impersonation, director of Heat. Uh, this is, uh, you know, a much more a serious film, uh, a much grittier film than than a lot of the things that you might see Guy Ritchie do. He strips a lot of uh, his, he's kind of, famous for his stylistic nature he strips a lot of that away here and i I think it absolutely works um here in in this movie and it's very good so i would highly recommend going to check that out i think uh you'll definitely would appreciate seeing it it's it's excellent so yeah uh hopefully everybody will enjoy that but um christy uh if people want to catch up with you uh, and see what else you've got going on how can they find you Yeah. So when I'm not here on 602 Club, I also do a show with my friends Amanda and Teresa called Sabres and Spells. And we just got done with our two-part review of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Very nice. And then we're going to... Thank you. uh, And next we'll be talking about how we got into our Marvel fandom. We're going to spend a whole episode on just that um, and then continue to talk about some more Marvel stuff and maybe also do one since I've talked about my love of Catwoman on here, a DC fandom episode. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys will check that out, Sabres and Spells. And I sometimes appear online. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bell and in the Babel Conference and you can find me all over the place in social media, Matt Rushing Zero Two on all of the different sites. If I'm there, just search for that name, and you'll find me. Uh, please, uh, you know, follow me, and I uh, love to strike up a conversation with you. Uh, of course, you can also find me here on the network. Snyder cuts here in this same feed. John and I are going to be talking about Army of the Dead coming up soon from Zack Snyder. It's uh, dropping soon there on Netflix, and in fact. This week, as we're recording, I'm going to go see it uh, in the theater. They're doing a special one-day showing of it in a theater near me, so I can't. I could not be more excited. Uh, you can also, of course, find me doing Literary Treks and The Orb. Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek, and The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And over, over on the Nerd Party Network, John Mills and I do a show called Aggressive Negotiations, which is a Star Wars podcast, so if you love Star Wars... We love talking Star Wars over there, so I hope you'll check that out. And then wrapped up the Harry Potter series with Drea Kaufman, where we talked about each and every chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. So I hope you'll take a listen to that. But thank you so much for joining us. And beam me up, snotty. (laughs) 